Tim Goldstein, autistic adult and your host for Life in a Neurotypical Universe, where we take a look at life from the perspective of an autistic adult. Well, this is the beginning of the second episode with Karen Simmons. And if you missed the first episode, Karen has been involved with the whole autism community since, well, before lots of us were even born. And she started way back in 1992 when her son was first diagnosed and there was virtually no information available. And Karen, being a uh, real uh, hard charger that wanted to make a difference in the world, has held more conferences than I've ever gone to in my life on autism and written books, uh, has been a speaker, has done all kinds of things that has just uh, moved and encouraged the whole autism community. Well, welcome back and enjoy as we dive in and continue our conversation with Karen. T- tell us, tell us about the Telus channel. Tell, tell us more. Okay. Well, we get we have been given a channel on Telus, which is like a Comcast in the states, and so that's going to take us to another level. Where I'm talking to people that have worked with PBS in Colorado, so that's going to take us to another place where we can have people share their stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly and everything. And then we'll help break down the silos of different organizations and their agendas so they can be on the channel too and share what's working for them. You know, because I, it's about collaboration, cooperation, and everybody having, getting the word out about about what's working for them. You know, because there's so many methodologies and so many things that all organizations have that work that why not, you know, share that and share the understanding of what's working. And, um, you know, like, like everybody helps share, share things with everybody, you know, like some of the things that work. So somebody in Africa can benefit from it, you know, Mm -hmm. like what happens in these foreign countries that just is some of the things are horrific that they can benefit so much from North America. Right. Some of the do in India that are so beneficial, you know, like the holistic uh, medicine and holistic ways of being are so helpful. And just looking at the way that, you know, we manage our medicine, you know, that people in North America can really benefit from. I, I don't know if you remember, uh, th- this goes back, it probably would have been late 70s, maybe early 80s. And uh, I want to say DuPont was the company. And uh, the, the commercial uh, that, that they used was, uh, I, I can't remember what they showed in the commercial, but tagline at the end was better living through chemistry. And it's, of course, the Western way of medicine is better living through chemistry. We'll, we'll give you something that uh, will we'll take care of it. And I'm not saying that's all bad. I, uh, I, I do... Uh, go visit the medical culture and spend time uh, having chats with them. Um, it's really funny when I, I go to my uh, psychiatrist or, or my therapist, I, I mostly end up teaching them about autism. Uh, they should mm-hmm. be paying me, not me paying them, but uh, I, I do take uh, meds and such. So I, I'm not, I'm not all against it, but uh, on the other hand, uh, it's not the cure for everything either. They're, no, but I, I just want, to, want it to be an unbiased platform. Everybody can, you know, share views, viewpoints, you know, unbiased, you know, like look at both sides, you know, have different opinions, different comments. 
Right, right. Uh, my wife, for instance, was uh, diagnosed with ADHD probably about four years or so after I was diagnosed with autism. So uh, we've been married 38 years. So just imagine she was undiagnosed ADHD. I was undiagnosed autistic. And somehow we actually have stuck together all this time. But they tried some of the ADHD medications with her and, uh, it, it just, she just didn't like the way it made her feel and the side effects and all that stuff. And she decided that, uh, you know, pursuing a, a more holistic manner yeah. of, uh, um, the different apps that you can get nowadays to help you reduce stress and calm and focus and, and those kind of things were just a, a better choice for her. Myself, on the other hand, I, I still believe in better living through chemistry. And I, I, I take my uh, my antidepressant, my mood stabilizer and my uh, anti-anxiety pills and, and uh, the world likes me better for it. <laughs> so, I will take myself too and it's fine. And there shouldn't be a judgment on that. There, you know. Right. It's just like with my wife, she tried it. It just wasn't, that wasn't for her. Yes, it took care of the primary effects, but she didn't like the, the uh, knock on effects that came along with it. For me, on the other hand, the, uh, the balance is more in the other direction that I'm willing to accept that I can't work an 18 hour day anymore. It does disappoint me. It does frustrate me. But I was my, uh, my uh, original psychiatrist who, who retired, unfortunately, uh, used to tell me, uh, most people would be happy to be able to work 12 hours straight like you're doing now. And I'm going, yeah, but I'm losing six hours a day. <laughs> um, so uh, all things are, are certainly relative. Uh, well, I, I know you've um, gone and uh, kind of made a shift in uh, some of your organization and uh, started uh, uh, some nonprofits. And of course, you live up in uh, Canada now, but you have a huge footprint down here in the, the U.S. Oh. So I I know you started the nonprofits, one, because Canada laws for nonprofits are different than U.S. laws Mm -hmm. for nonprofits. Tell us some about it. What you know? Well, one thing I really like to do in the states, I'd love to get back my footprint in the states because it's so cold up here. So I can be there half the year and here half the year too, because I am a U.S. citizen and a Canadian. Um, is what I'd like to do is I would like to have the Neurodiversity Artism Center for Creativity. Um, where people can go and actually, you know, have a place where they can express their art side, their music side, and their dance side, you know, where they can actually, like, kids can go and be. And that could be a place that, you know, like a lot of people with, with um, autism and neurodiversity really do have a very strong creative side. I, I just uh, met on LinkedIn a um, young woman who... Uh, has an autistic sister and she started a uh, theater for autistic individuals. Jenna is her name uh, or is it Gemma? Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to her um, because she is bringing out the fact that the arts uh, when she's, uh, she went to uh, college for performing arts. She's a singer. She's an actor that those arts a, there's many autistic individuals who do have great talents in those arts. Uh, we often don't recognize them. There's singers. I'm, I'm not an Eminem fan personally, but Eminem is autistic uh, and has done pretty well by himself, it seems. There, there's a number of actors. I mean, Dan Aykroyd, a Canadian actor, right? Um, and, com- and comedian. He's autistic. 
So we don't look at that. For some reason, we think of it, and maybe it's just because of the TV shows and such that have been out and the autism at work efforts that have gone on in the last five or seven years have been all tech companies that have done it. Uh And there's been so much emphasis on the, we'll say the geek side of being tech. And not that there's not a lot of techie geeks, but I don't think that it's a higher percentage than there is techie neurotypicals. It's just that we're all in. So when we're geeky, it's pretty obvious we're geeky. <laughs> but there, there's an equal amount of the other ones. So I, I think that's so good. I, I know myself, uh, when I was younger, uh, so elementary school, middle school, uh, kind of started dropping out of it in, in high school some. I, I was involved with uh, music. I, I was in the band. I, uh, mm-hmm. I sang. I was did some theater and plays and such. And enjoyed it very much. And actually, I, I tried joining the military, uh, playing uh, revolutionary fife. I was a lead fife player for a uh, a uh, authentic replica 1776 uh, fife and drum corps. And uh, it was my psoriasis that kept me out of the army. Otherwise, I would have been a musician in the army probably still. But then I kind of turned away from that. But we don't think of that. So everybody who knows me now thinks of me as a technical geeky person because I work for one of the biggest tech companies in the world. And I'm very, very geeky. (laughs) But they don't know that in my history, there is that art kind of side. Uh, And the other thing for me, then this, this is something that really revolutionized my life, is I had the great... uh what can I say, uh, honor and uh, experience of uh, studying and training with probably the best vocal coach in the world. And he comes mm-hmm. from the singing world. I mean, you walk into a studio and there's more gold and platinum uh, albums from all the artists that he coaches. It, it's it's intimidating. That's what it is. You walk in and it's like, oh my God, all these people like train with them. What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> but well, I told you that I played the bridge horn and yeah. I told you about the school of rock project that we just completed with Stephen Shore and I, right? Right. But uh, learning the learning to put uh, emotional sounds in my voice through using singing techniques mm-hmm. revolutionized my interaction uh-huh. with the rest of the world. Because before I sounded, uh, and I, I don't use the term of uh, autistic traits because we find those same traits in other humans. So uh, I was monotone like many humans are, but it tends to be a little higher intensity in autistic individuals. And that's what I sounded like. And people just didn't get that warm humanness connection when you spoke with them. And being taught to use the power of really music is what it comes down to, of putting it into your speaking voice. Now, suddenly, there's emotionality in your speaking voice, and it creates a connection. Uh, And I I think we should teach all autistic uh, individuals how to do that, and uh, they would find out it's, it's amazing how people respond back when you can actually create that connection. Instead of trying to say, they need to just learn that this is the way I am and you just accept it. And I, I think you can't fight human nature. I think that's kind of cooked into us from who we are, who we have evolved, that those emotions are what drive and, and 
It's the communication uh, currency of a lot of the human population. Mm-hmm. And you can't fight that. Uh, so I don't think of it as masking. I think of it as I learned this tool that I'm so thankful that I learned that allows me to communicate now with the world in a way that I could never communicate before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so back, back to your nonprofit thing. T- tell me more. Well, I think I told you about the School of Rock, right? Well, a little bit. Tell us some more about School of Rock. Okay. So Stephen Shore and I just finished doing a, a, a program for them to teach the music teachers how to teach kids with autism and neurodiversity music because they have challenges around social skills and behavior and communication and sensory issues. So now we're giving them a tool and they're going to integrate that into their whole program. They're, they're going to be teaching all of their, like their 200 schools, and that's all going to go into their programming. Because so many kids are attracted to to um, their schools. So Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. And all the teachers are going to be getting certificates with our name. Uh, okay, so I have to ask this one because this just makes me curious. Okay. One of the sensory processing challenges that is fairly common amongst the autistic population, and a lot of people associate sensory processing issues with autism. But the reality, I I had a a friend who was the director of uh, an institute on sensory processing disorders. And what he told me was actually 80% of the people with uh, sensory processing disorders are not autistic. So lots of just any kind of humans can have sensory processing challenges. Mm -hmm. But one of the the ones that's very common uh, in the autistic population is uh, sensitivity to sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I've, I've been around live music. Um, my, my wife hates it because I have a stereo that uh, pretty well reproduces live music and it is loud. Right. <laughs> uh, it has bass that goes down to 10 hertz. It shakes everything. How, 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 how do you work with kids that have auditory sensory processing challenges of the loud noises and such? in a music setting well i mean they're either hyper or hyposensitive yeah in this case uh i guess i'm I'm hyposensitive which is why i like the the, the volume only has uh, one setting and that's when it hits the peg at the end of the uh, clockwise movement but (laughs) i I guess i'm thinking more of the uh the ones who are uh hypersensitive that in the workplace would be putting on noise canceling headphones and those kind of things well they can hear through those so you're going to put those noise-canceling headphones on them so they can still hear through them. So in other words, you you, you really approach it like uh, you would in any other setting of uh, reducing the intensity of the sound, but they're still able to participate because their way their body operates, uh, it's almost like their amplifier is cranked up, like my amplifier is cranked up, all the way to the uh, clockwise stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you have to be sensitive to that. And they have, the music teacher has to understand what some of the some of the challenges are. It's not necessarily just the sound. It, you know, it could be the lighting. It could be anything that's going on for them. Right. Whole right. Right. So it's not just sound. So, so what else are you doing in, in the uh, nonprofit uh, kind of arena? 
oh, we're doing, uh, we're raising the money, you know, just to have the channel and the arts network and the learning and education platform so that you, I introduced you to that. Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, very very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The platform is oriented really towards, uh, uh, as I understand, you you probably understand it better than I do, uh, but uh, towards... We have two parts to the platform. We have one that's going to be more aligned for educators and for clinicians and for um, hospitals and universities. The other part is going to be more for parents and, and, um, you know, for teachers and, you know, colleges and professionals right so right arts right one is going to be more professional b2b and one's more b2c I, and i think that is uh it's, it's such a great idea because the, the clinicians really don't get a good you know view or training in what autism really is Mm-hmm. I mean, they get a training in what it is by definition, but they don't really get a training as in like you and I know it from being it, living around it, talking to millions of people that are, are autistic. Uh, it was kind of interesting. I uh, gave a presentation uh, for a children's hospital here in mm-hmm. uh, in Denver. Um, went well. And uh, what I, I was actually focusing on, they started a, uh, um, they call it a... Um, TMRG, whereas most companies would call it either a, B, a BRG or an ERG. So mm-hmm. for those of you not familiar in a lot of big organizations, they uh, have these uh, ER, ERG as employee resource group and uh, BRG is a business resource group, which is really the same thing, just using a different first word. And TMRG is the term they use because uh, hospital settings have a lot of um, contractors and independent people working with them. The doctors aren't necessarily employed by the hospital. The doctors may just have uh, uh, privileges at the hospital. Uh, the therapists are not necessarily employed by the hospital itself. So they call it a TMRG so that they can include all of the people that are in the work setting, even though they may be from different companies as far as where their paycheck really comes from. Hmm. And uh, so they, they started a, uh, a neurodiversity uh, TMRG. And uh, actually, it was been really fun because it was uh, myself and a, a woman, uh, Liz Green. We help a DEI head uh, actually get this thing going and off the ground. So it's been fun. Now it's actually their, their charter application has been uh, accepted. Uh, it isn't signed off on yet. So it's 100% official. But once it's accepted, it's just now a matter mm-hmm. of bureaucracy. So it was kind of fun seeing it launch all the way through. And it was interesting. What I actually talked about was looking at uh, something, uh, success factors, instead of looking at things as being accommodations. Because mm-hmm. here in the U.S., of course, and I'm not as familiar with Canadian laws and such as, as uh, you likely are, we have the ADA, the Americans with Disability Act. So mm-hmm. under ADA, a uh, business uh, has to... Uh, consider uh, if you have a disability, they have to uh, consider uh, giving you an accommodation if you require an accommodation as long as it's considered reasonable for the business. 
if uh, you're supposed to be a bank teller and your accommodation is, I never want to talk to people. No, that's not reasonable that you just can't do the job at that point. But if the accommodation is, is you need a five minute break every hour to go uh, de-stress a little bit. Well, that could be very well considered a reasonable accommodation. But uh, what I was trying to present to them was uh, the, the idea that why do we look at everything as being accommodation just because the person has a diagnosis? It, it, why can't we just say, why don't we just do, as long as it doesn't cost a fortune, why don't we just do whatever we have to do to make all of our employees as productive as they can be because we recognize that everybody doesn't need the same thing. If we set up every desk, not that many people go to the work in the desks anymore, I think, but I, I have my desk and it sits right in my office at home. That's where I go to work all the time. But uh, in, yeah. in the office, uh, desks are normally set up as right-hand desks. When you think about it, if you were to walk in uh, after they just set it all up, uh, the the mouse is going to be on the right-hand side. The phone, if they still have a phone, is going to be on the right-hand side. It's all set up as right-hand-sided. Mm -hmm. So, you know, left-handedness, uh, I, I don't think we consider a uh, abnormality anymore. I mean, it, sometimes it was considered one, and the education system tried, did everything they could to try and break you of being left-handed. But uh, now we just recognize it's just a difference. And we don't go and require the doctor to sign off and say that you have to have the mouse move to the left-hand side and all that kind of stuff to make it so you can be as productive as you can be. But why is it that if it's an autistic individual and what they need is to be moved away from that damn door that slams every time somebody walks in and put just into somewhere that's a little bit quieter? Uh, virtually, there's virtually no cost to that. There's no mm -hmm. more cost than there is to have the tech person come up and move the stuff from the desk on the right-hand side to the left-hand side. <laughs> there's, there's, there's almost no cost. So why do we have to make that into this big, huge accommodation process and handle it under the legal ADA uh, to make sure we document everything so that we don't get sued? Because when That's it's simply, what, what if the person doesn't have a diagnosis in anything? And the door still makes them distracted and not very productive because the door is slamming all the time. Are, are we just going to tell them too bad? We're not going to do anything for you. And unfortunately, that's, I think, what most companies do is say, that's your desk. Live with it. So that, that was really what the, the talk was really about is looking at it from the standpoint of why can't we take these things that are very common uh, that cost virtually nothing, have the organization create a list of pre-approved things. Okay, uh, if you have problems with sound sensitivity, uh, we're going to pre-approve a set of noise-canceling headphones for the $80 it costs nowadays. Um, big deal. Or if you need to have an agenda before you go meetings, we're going to uh, have the manager write an agenda. And a matter of fact, everybody's going to perform better. We all know it works better if we just got lazy and stopped writing the darn things. So if we had this pre-approved list, we would reduce the whole accommodation challenge because to get the accommodation, you first have to, A, have a diagnosis. And as you mentioned yourself, you're, you're pretty sure you are probably autistic, but you've never gotten a formal diagnosis. So you couldn't ask for an accommodation because you don't have the official paperwork. And then 
Secondly, there are even people who do have the paperwork. They don't want to tell anybody. They don't want to disclose. I mean, especially to HR. Who wants to go tell HR that I've got whatever? And HR is usually where this stuff is handled. So if we could handle all this stuff instead is simply being, geez, wouldn't it be good business practice to give the employees the appropriate tool to do the job they need to do? Instead of trying to say everybody has to have the identical set of tools and uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, so that's what the talk was about. And what was so interesting is this is a whole bunch of clinicians that work with autistic kids all the time. I mean, there was speech pathologists in there and there's psychologists. There's, I mean, the whole gamut of things. And this whole idea of just saying, let's just make this list of things that we're just going to say, okay, oh, that's going to help you perform better. Uh, and obviously they're looking at children. So we would put it in the school setting. Why can't the school just have a list of, okay, here's 50 different things that if they will make you be a better student, any of those are available to you instead of we have to go in and get the doctor and do this paperwork and yada, 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 yada. So I don't know. I'll get off that soapbox. But uh, <laughs> but the, the point being, though, uh, here I am talking to clinicians that are working with autistic children and they've just never heard the, 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 the points from an autistic adult of, duh, doesn't this just sound like something that makes sense? <laughs> so uh, it, uh, it went very well. And it's a great group. I, I'm just so happy that I had the opportunity to help uh, get it up and rolling in the first place and then go back, visit and give them uh, a presentation. Uh, been over about a year, a little over a year now. Uh, That's great. I can tell you one other thing that we're up to that we're just in the planning stages of. What's that? World, World Autism Summit. Tell me more. Tell me more. I mean, uh, I, I just, I, I just hate it that uh, I used to meet all my uh, friends in the world of autism at at the different conferences, and it's been like three years of uh, of Zoom only and just not seeing anybody. I know. I know. It's it's, um, but it'll be good because then we can align and then just have you know um, have a little powwow. <laughs> But no, we'll get, you know, get a lot of people involved. So and when, when, when are you trying to aim for? What's this? The end of September, the last week of September. Th this year? Yeah, because it'll be online. That, you know, I used to do physical conferences and had plan them out about three months ahead, which was crazy to begin with. Well, that, that's kind of like, uh, I, I don't know a huge amount about the conference business, but I've, uh, I've taken uh, enough seminars and courses in, uh, in speaking to hear enough about uh, how the conference business works that um, three months out is considered you're in an emergency already. <laughs> I know. So I, I feel like, it, like this is enough of a, of a head, you know, a lead time. We're online one. <laughs> so, uh, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, you know. Cool. So, so, you know, how, how will people, uh, how will people find out more? How, uh, how do we get the word out? Um, yeah, well, we're online and I have a phone and online through, we'll, we'll start getting the word out through social media and through email lists and through, um, yes, through, uh, Google it, Google, <laughs> or Google ad grant. Um, we'll get, get it out through there. We'll get it out through, um, 
the typical ways that people get things out. Yeah. So, so the 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 BG the big G's uh, ad uh, grants. Um, I think a lot of people probably don't know, but uh, Google does provide for certified nonprofits. They will provide up to what is it ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars per month in ad grants, so that the organization can advertise, and they've got. 10k in advertising budget every month that uh, doesn't have to come out of uh, of donor funds. So that's something that uh, again a lot of people don't know. All they know about uh, Google is uh, the search engine and Gmail. <laughs> I know. So I got to figure out how to make that you know really smooth. And yeah, so we've got somebody who's going to help us who has done really massive conferences. So I want to make sure that's that's not going to all fall on me, but I want to make sure it comes off really smooth. Right, right. <laughs> cool. So uh, what, what are some of the, do you have themes uh, already kind of chosen for? for? Week in, oh, I think it's going to be more, you know, the lifespan, you know, like early intervention and then, you know, adolescence and jobs, employment is going to be big. And then, you know, life planning, things like that. Um, and then, of course, you know, where are you going to, where, are, where am I going to live when I grow up? <laughs> and where are mom and dad going to be when I'm gone? You know, that, you know, what, that, those types of questions are being asked and trying, people are trying to figure those things out. I think it's really important that people start planning you know, these types of things are not, you know, sticking their heads in the in the sand and not addressing life, you know, from start to finish. Because, I mean, it's everybody's going to live. They're born, they live and they die. You know, it's, it's just part of the package. What? Not sticking your head in the sand? That That is my favorite coping strategy. Is sticking my head in the sand, and, and my wife will tell you. And uh, um, like like many things I do, it maybe isn't the most effective strategy, I but know, uh, it is my go to. Yeah, I know it, it. I know I like it too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it too. Yep, yep. I uh, I, I just um, it, it creates a lot of drama too. You know, a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration, a lot of stress. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't have to. Maybe I wouldn't have to take uh, anti-anxiety uh, medication if I actually uh, got my head out of the sand. You think? <laughs> maybe I get some drug company to sponsor this thing, right? <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. That would definitely be an, an idea. Um, so, as far as uh, autism today. Um, you know, it, it it's you're still you're still doing that as far as I know, right? I mean that's yes, just it's kind of it's kind of morphing into part of the nonprofit, isn't it? Yes, it is, yes, it is. I've taken all the content and put it into the nonprofit. Gotcha. The only, way, the only way that this can live on is if it is nonprofit, because that's where the grants come in, that's where the sponsors come in, that's where it lives on, right? That's right. That's where it keeps going, that's where the life comes in, that's where the energy, you know, keeps carrying on and on and on forever, you know, for as long as it can go, right? So so you, you've uh, decided that you just can't finance it on your own, uh, you know, anymore. No. Um, you know, and again, that's that's another thing that a lot of people don't recognize is when you do a lot of this stuff, a lot of it is you're financing it on your own. Uh, yeah. You know, what, what, 
good websites cost money and you know all that kind of stuff here we are uh, recording a you know we're recording a podcast on uh, all this fancy high-tech equipment that uh, all costs money you know unless you are doing it under some kind of organization like you're you're doing it now there's only one place it comes from you just pay for it yourself because you're dedicated to it yeah mm-hmm. unless you're like you know like own a big um publishing company or if you own a big corporation you know you can't do it on your own right right yeah if you're uh independently wealthy somehow it, it, you don't get to choose your parents because i, I would have chosen some independently wealthy ones but I, I got a good set but uh independently wealthy was not part of the package <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i know i know i know but what can you do you know <laughs> well all you can do is you know go out and uh i, I guess do what uh, you and i have both done which is uh um, you know the the motivation how is it there's a saying that says uh when the motivation gets high enough uh the challenge becomes easy mm-hmm, it's true it's true somebody asked me the other day why are you still doing this you know jonathan's 33 and alex is 28 why are you doing this it's like because i want them to be i want everybody to be accepted and appreciated for who they are you know, and the, like, why is it that they, you know, it, I still have that passion. I still have that drive. You know, that hasn't gone away. Right, right. I, I think, I think part of it for me, probably for you too, is, you know, you can help others. And yes. how can you just turn your back on, on that when you know you have the ability to help others? Right. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of like uh, forsaking the, the gifts you were given. Right. So it's not, it's not about the Karen Simmons show. It's not about Jonathan. It's not, you know, not just about them. It is about them, but it's not just about them. No, that was kind of like what got it going, but that's, it, yeah. it becomes bigger than that. It, it becomes yeah. really, uh, I, I like the, uh, the terminology that, uh, Steve Jobs used to use. Let's go make our little dent in the universe. Uh, <laughs> and it becomes about making your dent in the universe, uh, because, uh, that dent is helping people. Yes. Moving the needle forward, you know. Right. Well, anyway, I can go on and on and on. Well, you and I have gone on and on and on so many times. We we always have a great time. Uh, If people wanted to reach out and contact you and find out more about uh, the nonprofit, the the music training, uh, the uh, conference that's coming up, uh, your books, uh, gosh, I mean, on and on and on, all your stuff. What's the best way for them to uh, find out about you and uh, to reach you? They can reach me at Karen at AutismToday.com. And I also have Karen at AutismToday.ca, which is in Canada. A. 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 Funny story about that sometime. Uh, I have a good joke about that one, too. Uh, Um, so how, how about the websites? What are the, uh, the URLs for your, uh, websites? Autismtoday.com and autismtoday.ca. 
you 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 did collect uh, domains. Uh, trying to score ones like that nowadays would cost you uh, some serious uh, pocket change. Oh yeah, I got yes. I have a lot of still left, still some good autism domain names too. Autismdoctors.com. Anyway, uh, I can go down that rabbit hole, but we're not going to do that today. So 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 you uh, so you you uh, did go to uh, uh, Internet Domains uh, Anonymous, but you didn't get t- totally totally uh, you know. Oh, I still have. <laughs> on to some. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> didn't get rid of all of them. Well, great. It has been so good chatting with you, as it always is. And I will take and uh, actually uh, take the names of the uh, the websites and your email address and such and put them in the show notes so people don't have to do the uh, forward, backward, forward, backward. Okay, what did she say it was exactly? <laughs> and we'll just make it easy and put it in the show notes. <laughs> .com and autismtoday.ca. There you go. <laughs> so thank you again so much for taking the time and, uh, and and having a chat and once again sharing yourself and your efforts and your energy with uh, with the world just to make it a little better place. Thank you too, Tim. I love talking to you. And we'll talk about those other things that we talked about that is pretty soon. <laughs> Definitely will. Thanks okay. a lot, Karen. Thank you too, Tim. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. We hope that you've enjoyed another episode of Life in a Neurotypical Universe. Please, if you enjoyed this, share it with your friends. Go take their phone and subscribe them. It will help us all out. If you want to know more about neurodiversity or have any questions for me, you can reach me at my website, timgoldstein.com where I'll be more than glad to help you as best I can to navigate through the neurotypical universe.